0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Double FM Sports. My name is JR Mizorak, and today I am joined by Renz Conlon from Stony Brook Men's Lacrosse. Renz, how are you doing today?
1: Doing great, man.
0: Well, I'm really happy to have you on here, really happy to, uh, you know, let you tell your story of lacrosse. You've carved out a good college career for yourself, you know, in your senior year with Stony Brook. Uh, but before we get into that college career, tell me about when you first started, you know, playing the sport when did you first pick up a stick
1: um I first started off as a football player uh around five years old and uh growing up um I came up in a family military family and multiple of uh my uh all my family members were uh, multi-sport athletes so my mom saw lacrosse as a good fit uh for me uh given the physicality of the sport and the speed of it um, and it was a growing game with a lot of opportunity for you know uh, you know college prospect and uh, and whatnot. So uh, around I think it was seven years old, my mom got me into got me playing lacrosse, and I honestly uh, just I didn't really I think growing up football was like my my sport at heart. Um, so I didn't really take to it real quick, and you can actually ask a lot of uh, kids I went to school with. I was actually pretty bad growing up. Um, but, uh, you stick to it, you know, you put your mind to it, you do anything. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't until, um, wasn't until I think middle school where I really started to realize, like, I love playing lacrosse and really started to, to catch on as much as I enjoyed football.
0: Now, you know, you mentioned football. You also wrestled a little bit in high school. Um, all three big contact sports, you know, what do you love about that contact?
1: um (laughs) i don't know honestly it's uh it's a it's a it's a play style man some guys they 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 use you know their uh they use what they have as uh to them naturally as an advantage um to me i was never afraid of contact um and i think that was part of the things that led me to be a successful fogo was that um you know when you're out on the field you're you're scrapping it up from you know right right as the whistle blows so, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know why per se, but I mean, growing up, if it makes any sense, uh, my uncle owned a, a UFC gym and then my, both my uncles were uh, competitive wrestlers. Um, so yeah, I think that was, just, it's just kind of in the family, a bunch of Irish dudes. So yeah, it makes sense. Rugby players back in Ireland. So yeah, probably makes a lot of sense genetically. <laughs> So, you know,
0: you took your talents to Franklin Pierce for a year. You played at the Division 2 level. You made the move to Stony Brook. Why Stony Brook?
1: Um, I was really happy where I was in Division 2. Um, and the biggest driving factor for me was that where I went didn't have uh like an oceanography or uh, a fishery science or marine science program. Um, it was really when I in my fall semester I took a I took a course um it was the only oceanography course that uh, the school offered, and I and I realized I was like, okay, this is really what I want to do with my academics. And it just so happened that um, at the time, my long term, my longtime mentor, Tom Kelly, um, you know, my the guy who got me started as a as a faceoff specialist, he was coaching at Stony Brook as the faceoff coach, and he said, you know, I saw my name come up in the portal, and uh, it was just, it was ideal, honestly, ideal. You know,
0: you talk, you talk about the oceanography, you know, what do you, what do you want to do with that post collegiate career?
1: Well, I already have, uh, I kind of have my, my feet underneath me with a business or developing business right now, um, doing commercial fishing. And this is my boat that I'm on right now. Um, it's my, it's my passion. And, uh, I also do commercial fishing out of, uh, Shinnecock. Um, the problem is, um, it's not just, the fisheries uh, right now, what we're seeing is, I think, uh, a mismanagement of our fisheries. And uh, there's a huge disconnect between policymakers and people that are in the know, in the in the industry, um, where there's a lot of, there's, you know, there's three aspects to the fisheries where it's, you have your science, you have your policymaking, and then you have people who are fishermen in the industry. And there's so much information in there. But a lot of that is not properly communicated. So, um, trying to you know bridge the gap between all those three realms of the industry, I think, is an important aspect. And and you need to have the experience um, working to to have that. So that's something I strive to do. Working with uh, I have a job lined up right now with uh, Cornell Cooperative Extension out of the South Fork doing aquaculture uh, research. Um, for scallops, scallop restoration or base scallop population on the island really isn't uh, self-sustaining. So, um, uh, and uh, also looking to get into uh, research involving uh, the pending wind farms that are being developed along the East Coast and hopefully they won't have uh, an impact on our uh, marine uh, habitats, hopefully.
0: You know, like I said, you transferred from the D2 to the Division I level. Is there any, you know, differences that you've noticed between those two levels?
1: I'm going to be honest with you. It's something I thought about a lot, um, and initially I one of my concerns was, like, I know I'm making this big change primarily for academics, and I did want to play at a higher level. But being someone that growing up didn't really play that much in high school um, – I kind of uh I was, you know, the second face off guy behind Pete LaSala at Rocky Point and um I didn't know honestly I had the the capability of playing at the D1 level and I'm going to be honest with you there are guys throughout both division 1 and 2 II and 3 all levels and even you see a lot of uh, MCLA, you know, club guys that they are really talented players and that's what's so unique about lacrosse is that there's a lot of there's a lot of that talent seated all throughout um all levels of play i played with some guys at franklin pierce where i really was like ding like these guys are studs and then you know you come to the division 1 and you see that you see that more but there there there's still people where it's like you know you know that the talent isn't defined by what division they play, you know, they play at, or what school they play at. Um, so it it was it was eye opening in that regard to to the level of the game. How you, no matter what level you're at, you can never underestimate your opponent. Um, especially in a position where I'm at, where um, it's it's mano y mano, it's one on one. So you have guys you go against in Division Two, where I was like that guy was really good, like that guy was solid, and then you go against someone. In division one. And you might say, well, I, you know, I had that guy's number on that day or, you know, what, you know, whatnot. But uh, yeah, I don't think, I don't think, especially for kids like looking at colleges and it's very easy to get caught up in the the big name schools and there's nothing wrong. I got a lot of friends that go to big name schools and that's awesome. And that experience is unique. Um, But do not, um, don't, don't make that your only deciding factor when looking at schools. Um, You know, there's, there's value in every program.
0: You talked a little bit about, you know, the the one-on-one aspect of being a face-off specialist. What do you like about that, you know, individuality inside of a team sport?
1: Um, I, I enjoy the, the aggressiveness and the intensity of the position, um, which um, and and it is like it is like wrestling in that aspect where it's your skill versus my skill. what do you know versus what do I know? How do you react and how I'm gonna react and counter uh, counteract? Um, so that's what's fun about it. Uh, it's it is that that free competitiveness. Um, however, with the position, I think it has become so specialized. um and I, and I think now we're starting to see that guys are getting back to being a you know a face off stay on. Because there's a lot of guys that, yeah, they're really good at taking face-offs, but there's also guys that are really good at taking face-offs and playing with the ball in their stick. So um, I love the position, but I, I do miss playing the field. Like, I grew up playing a midi, you know, and I took face-offs because that was – you know, I happen to be good at them, but I, I do miss playing the field, getting out there and being able to, you know, you know to play with the rest of the guys um, and being incorporated with the team. So that's uh, there's there's pros and cons to the position, but and it, it is a, don't get me wrong, it's a tough position to play because it's just like goalies, it's 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 just you, you know, and if you're not, you know, if you're not doing well, you you're getting yanked. But um, I think that's that competitiveness of what is what makes this the the position special is that drive to to want to be the guy.
0: Now what does practice look like? You know, is it different than from the other players on your team? Are you focusing more on that face off aspect or are you kind of training with the team as they are?
1: Yeah, uh it's always been um it's always been a more focused, um it's a specialist position. In football, you really wouldn't see kickers going up, up, you know, doing line, you know, uh you know, doing lineman drills, or you know, they're not gonna be hitting the bags. So for us, there's a we have our our designated area on the sideline where we go and we grind um we'll we'll go at it um we do live face offs, we do ground ball drills um and a lot of technique uh specific stuff when you go um and and being part of the team is also um, being able to step away from your specialty as well. so yes, we do put a lot of time into um, you know, beginning of drills, you know, beginning of our drills, usually we'll have a, a skill work portion or combo skill work. And that's when we go in our, you know, defense does defensive stuff. Offense does offensive stuff. But then there's times where we get into transition drills, clearing drills where we have to step away from our position. And we do get to, we do get to play. and uh, We do get to get on those situational, you know, uh, transitions. And then also a lot of the times we get to play attack. We get to ride, you know, and, and that helping our teammates, even when it doesn't have anything to do with us, you know, pressuring the defense, giving them a good look when they're trying to clear the ball. That's important. Now
0: face-off specialists, you know, usually it's, you get the face-off, you run, you run off, you switch for a minute, but you kind of talked about it a little bit that it's, you know, starting to become guys that are good with the, you know, the ball in their stick and, you know, they can score goals, they can pass and, you got the opportunity to score your first Division One goal against Hofstra, you know, the first year you were at Stony Brook. What's it like, you know, actually putting
1: the ball in the back of the net and scoring a first goal? That was really special because um, leaving uh, Franklin Pierce was a very tough decision for me. I had a really tight-knit group of guys up there, and um, I got home after that game. And I saw I got a bunch of Snapchats, and everyone was watching that goal live in the room, and they all went crazy when I scored. So watching that video, it almost kind of like you know made a a tear come to my eye because it was like I still have that support. You know, a lot of times you can have animosity when you transfer out of a program for obvious reasons, Um, but to know that you know your people still have your back and they're rooting for you—that's that was that was an awesome experience. And then uh, having having all the teammates just um, from both teams be so pumped to, to witness your first goal. Like, you know, it's, a, it's, it's a, it's definitely a special moment. And for, for me uh, again, with that doubt of coming in and being like, dude, I might not even play anymore. Like I might be leaving my playing behind. Like, I, you know, like you had a shot, are you going to leave it behind? Um, but I promised my mom that, that, you know, coming to this school, I would play. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't just, uh, I wouldn't have left it behind. So to look up in the stands and be like, I did it, Ma. Like that was, that was huge for me.
0: Another, you know, great moment in your career came from that first year in Stony Brook. You went perfect in the fourth quarter on faceoffs against Rutgers. You guys came back from a three goal deficit. You know, can you take me through that game, that moment, and what was clicking for you that fourth quarter?
1: Um, honestly, that was a game where I had a horrible. I remember that game more so for the horrible first half I had. Um, but that, that change-up was, I'm going to give all the credit to Tom Kelly at that point, because he got me in Austin. and Austin was actually, he got hurt that game. Um, but he, he got us in. He got all the face-off guys in and was like, listen, like we need to step up our game. The guys need the ball if we're going to win this game. And I remember Glarity coming up to me on the sideline after Austin got hurt. and was like, it, it's either make it or break it you got to step up. And I said, okay. And uh, I think some of that, the the big game, because you go to a place like Rutgers, that stadium is no joke. That's a huge, you know, that's, that's a huge stadium. You can get a little starstruck when you first walk in there. That was one of the things I tried to tell the freshmen this year, first game against them. I said, don't get caught up with, you know, you know, don't, don't, don't get caught up in everything. Just play the game. It's the same game, no matter what field you're on. Um, So I think that kind of clicked to me at that point where it's like, all right, just do your job.
0: Now, you know, making your way through your career to this year, you guys are on a four-game win streak right now. You play Drexel on Saturday the 8th. What do you and the team have to do to make it a five-game win streak?
1: I think we just got to keep that juice that we got on the sideline going, to be honest with you. We have an interesting dynamic on the team where we have uh, a larger group of freshmen. We have 20 – I think it's 24 – Freshman. And I think that with transfers, it comes up to 27 new guys. So half the team is completely new to the program. Um, and then having to gel with guys that are seasoned and experienced and us you know, a, you know, that, that dynamic early in the season, that's where you got to work out the kinks. But after four, you know, after winning these games and really truly finding our gel and where we work well together, um, that's that's what's going to propel us to to the CAA championship some athletes you
0: know they're a little bit superstitious they've got pregame routines music meals stuff like that do you have any of that that you always do before a game
1: um I try to get in uh I try to ice bath down here uh during the week of games just because this is my my happy place uh gets your mind right um takes the weight off my shoulders of like, okay, you're still you outside of the game. And then, um, trying to be high, just, you know, nothing real superstitious. Um, the only other thing I, I always make sure that I do is I always make sure I have a fresh, uh, you know, fresh chin tape from my buddy, Luke. So, uh, yeah, I always keep him on my helmet. But other than that, yeah, just staying hydrated, making sure you eat a good meal, and then trying to get some good sleep. I'm not, I'm not a big, sleeper I'm usually one of those guys that's like running on you know minimal sleep but night and night you know two nights before the game got to get good night's rest
0: you obviously love the ocean the water I mean you're on your boat for the interview I don't think we've ever had anybody on water for an interview before (laughs) but you know what's like the coolest story that you have from being on the ocean
1: um Working commercially, you see a lot of crazy stuff. So, um, probably anything that I've done out in Shinnecock. I mean, sometimes you go out. and I look over um, to my buddy Matt, who's on the boat with me, and his dad's running the boat. And I go, you know, yo, what, what, how, how big are the seas running right now? He's like, I don't know. The buoy said twelve. You know, you're like, oh, I'm in twelve foot waves right now. So, and just enjoying, just taking that all in. Um, and when you're out there, there's, I mean, other than the occasional scallop dragger, and maybe like you know, a, a tanker ship maybe 50, you know, 50 miles away from you. It looks like a little, not even, not even that far, but you know, little tanker ships look like a dot just being out there. Anytime you go out there is it's crazy and you get to see some real cool stuff. I mean, coming up next to the boat, you see, you know, turtles just swimming on the surface and they just looking at you and you know, that's an intelligent form of life. That's just looking at you. And you're like, what's up dude. You know, you not you just minding your own business and and just being immersed in there. Anytime you're going out, I've caught pelagics um, on some other boats, you know, 100 miles off in the canyon, and in a lightning storm. You know, that's those are you know those are cool. Those are cool experiences. Um, and then you know, having people around you to share those and be like, yo, remember that time? Like that's what makes it. Uh, anytime you go out there is is uh, it's a, it's a fun experience. And that's why I try to get as many of the guys from the team out as, as possible. Because not as ever, not everybody is as as fortunate as I am to to have the, the resources to be out there all the time. So anytime I get to bring new people out, they really enjoy it.
0: You mentioned a mentor, you know, you talked about how you have family that have played sports at a high level, but whether it's sports or, you know, just life in general, who would you consider your biggest role models?
1: Um, Definitely my, my grandfather and my mom. Uh, my, my grandfather was a Brigadier General in the U.S. Army, and uh, he... He taught me a lot of stuff growing up that I feel stuck with me even after he passed, you know, kind of stuff that continued to be my my conscious of, you know, you don't quit if you're gonna sign up for something, you finish it out, you finish it through. um And then my mom, as someone who's faced uh, immense adversity in her life, especially raising me. so um she, she is a, a driving factor for a lot of what I do. And there's a lot of times where I didn't, you know, you know, you get discouraged and then you think about like why you do stuff. And she's the reason I, you know, I, I keep doing it. Cause you know, division one athletics is tough. Any, any collegiate athletics is, is tough. And then sometimes, you know, you get to a point and, you know, it's just being real. Like, you're just like, I am drained, you know, I'm done. And you're like, you know what? No, I keep going. You know, those things that keep you going are important. And also having, like I said before, a, a great coach and mentor and someone who's like a, a big brother to me is uh, Tom Kelly. Uh, you know, he took me under his wing. I didn't start facing off until I think sophomore, junior year of high school. And, uh, and he was my only, my real, only real coach. And he's uh and he's always been, been by me. And no matter what, whether he was at Stony Brook or not, you know, during COVID things got a little weird there, but he was always, uh, a supporter and uh, he's a great dude so yeah those those people definitely uh, had a huge impact on my career.
0: I've got one last question here for you Um, you know if, if it's a high school kid or you know somebody that's new to the collegiate scene or just somebody picking up a stick for the first time you know what pieces of advice would you give to somebody who is you know looking to take an extra step?
1: There's so much media presence right now um, with the game, I mean, it, it, every every game you go to now, that even high school games, you know, big high school games, you know, you, they're on TV, you know, and and or you're gonna see highlights from them on, on social media, and it's so easy to get caught up in, you know, the you know, how do I look or what is it, and you gotta remember why we play the game, um, uh, especially the game of lacrosse. Like this isn't a game to to be famous about, you know. This isn't you're not gonna be famous playing lacrosse, you know, and and if that's your goal, you can do that. But this isn't the sport if you're just looking, you know, you know, at least that's my opinion. I don't I don't think you should get so caught up in, in the media and the and the, the cameras in your face. And, and that can also add a lot of stress to it, especially, you know, you know, you get worried about your performance or whatnot, especially in a position like, you know, face off or goalie where you're, you know, you're a, a critical position. And then also, uh, especially with the face off guys, you can get so caught up in the numbers and the stats and oh you know that you can be a contributing factor by being a good teammate um and being uh and making plays that aren't just rec- you know get get recorded in the stat book you know you 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 can you you can be an effective teammate and be a contributing factor to the team without having to be the guy that's always in the limelight or um or um you know or or you know just don't go, don't get caught up in the things that are outside the game, focus on your teammates being the best teammate you can, and uh, and just oh, and when in doubt, put in the work. You know, if you're ever like, Oh man, I'm tired, I'm really not feeling it tonight, I don't want to go get you know extra reps, or I don't want to go, and I really don't feel like it, just do it. Like, just go get your work in because you're going to feel better afterward and you're going to get better from it. You know, if you if you keep giving into the temptation of oh, I'm going to lay back, you're never going to achieve your goals because it goes quick. Like, I remember. My first week of fall ball at Franklin Pierce, uh, one of my seniors, Luke Tracy, was like, guys, and he was his advice to the freshman, like, guys, it goes by so fast, like, just enjoy the game and put your time in and uh, you're gonna you're gonna enjoy it. So yeah, yeah that, that's my advice is don't get caught up in all the other stuff, focus on your teammates and yeah, and, and playing the game to the best of your ability and put them in the work.
0: Definitely a good piece of advice there for you know anybody that's looking to take that next step, kind of like I said. But you know, like I said, that is, that is the last question I have for you. I really appreciate you you know taking some time sitting down with me on the boat um, and you know telling your story. Thanks, Jay. I appreciate you having me on. Of course, of course. With that being said, my name is Jeremy Mizrak, and we are signing off. Hey guys, Ethan J. Thank you for listening to this episode of Double FM Sports. Jared's now going to talk about a partnership we've recently started with Made by Live. Made by Live is a local clothing design brand here in my college town, of Morgantown, West Virginia. They make shirts with some of your favorite West Virginia athletes on them for a bargain of a price. Be sure to head over to the Instagram at made.by.live with two Vs today. Once again, thank you for listening to this episode and make sure to check Made by Live out.